0: The first one that I want you to turn to and and kind of put your bulletin in or your finger in or something and just just hold on to that spot would be Matthew chapter 5. And if you're grabbing a blue Bible, it's on page 684. The second passage that I want you to turn to is where we're going to begin this morning, but we're not going to end there. We're just going to start there, is in in Luke chapter 6. And that's on page 729. And so I invite you you to turn there. Uh, And the reason we're looking at some of these What did he say statements that Jesus made was because in the text, we find some amazing truths that that I think Jesus wants to communicate to us, truths that that have the potential to help us discover and experience his life-changing love so that our lives are never the same and that we can live the life that he's called us to live with him. You see, Jesus came to teach us about this completely different way of living life. A different way to think and, and a different way to be influenced. Not by the standards that the world gives us, but by God's standards and by God's ethic. And, and the life that, that Jesus desires for us is, is a lot different than what we would consider the normal life, especially in, in our society today. And yet, God has given us gifts and He's equipped us and He's empowered us to live a life that is honoring Him, and brings glory to Him, while we receive that life and life to the full that He promises to us. And so, this morning we're going to look at a couple of those things, and we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that you've probably heard before, and you've probably ignored it before as well. Okay? And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Look at Luke chapter 6. We're going to begin in verse 27. The text says this, "...but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies... Do good for those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also, and then get him. Nope, doesn't say that, does it? (laughs) If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, we have various interpretations of that passage of scripture for instance do unto others before they can do unto you is one that i've heard often right and yet what's jesus trying to say it and say and whenever we read something like that our first reaction may be yeah yeah right jesus like that's going to happen right that's that may have, have been a good idea but but no way because if someone's trying to hurt me if someone's standing in opposition to me if someone's resisting me you want me to love them come on jesus you think i'm stupid? It just doesn't work that way. And, and besides, we try to justify it and go, well, what does Jesus really mean when He says, love your enemies? Yeah, surely He doesn't mean that exactly. Because we just look at that and it just feels wrong, doesn't it? We just think it can't be right. We look for a loophole or we try to figure out how it just doesn't apply to me because I'm different and I'm special. And yet one of the first things we need to do always whenever you look at Scripture is to consider the context, consider who's writing, consider who's saying it. And and Jesus is teaching us this truth right in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount. And to kind of quickly sum up the Sermon on the Mount, and I know I'm not doing it justice, but just just think about it this way for this morning. That it's God's view of our personal ethics. And I invite you to write a few of these things down on the back of your bulletin and follow along, and and maybe that'll help you retain part of this. Uh, How God desires... For, only, for not only for us to look more like Him and to have His characteristics, but, but also how we treat each other, how we respond to people, how we interact with those people who have, have hurt us and have insulted us and judged us, taken advantage of us, who consistently stand in opposition to us. How do we respond to them? What, what's our, the appropriate response? And as we examine these, what did He say, love your enemy statements that Jesus gives to us, I truly pray that, that we will discover the opportunity we have to live life differently and to allow God to do something significant in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives this morning. And maybe it will be more than just something we do on a Sunday morning, but it can start to take hold and allow our lives to be changed, to become more like Jesus. So um, as, as we look at more of this text, uh, I just want to kind of help you keep something in mind that that Jesus what he's basically doing here is he's contrasting the current ethics of the time when he was here on earth with God's kingdom ethics he's comparing those two things And, and one of the best ways that he did that was when he used this phrase Jesus would use the phrase you have heard that it was said Okay, So he's talking to the people and he's like, this is what you've heard. This is what you know to be true. And this is the way you've been taught to live. But Jesus would say, but I say to you. Jesus is saying there's something more, that there's something better, that this is the way you're supposed to live instead. So so look with me over in Matthew chapter 5, this parallel account of what Jesus said. In verse 43, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, right? You've heard. This is what you know. You've heard that it was said. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And this is where Jesus is addressing this common ethic and common standard of the day. Love your, enemy, or love your neighbor and hate your enemies. It would have been a very familiar thing to the audience because that's what they were taught. That's what they accepted. That's the way they acted. They were taught that just like they were taught, hey, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't commit adultery. Those were the types of things they were taught. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That was the the command. That was the accepted way to live. And what's interesting is, is that was taken from Scripture. Kind of, right? The first half of that, love your neighbor, is found often in the Old Testament. Jewish people would refer to it often. But this statement of hate your enemy, I can't find it, and I haven't found anybody else who can find it in there either. That's the part that man added. And, and it was added because they oftentimes came around to the discussion of, okay, who's my neighbor? Okay, that's where the discussion went. They wanted to know who their neighbor was so that they would know who to love exactly. So God tells me to love my neighbor. Well, who is that? And as you can imagine, the, the debate as to who is your neighbor, it raged back and forth and on and on, and, and it continued up until the time even of Jesus. You may remember that at one point in his ministry, Jesus was approached and asked the question, who's my neighbor, right? Remember that? Story of the Good Samaritan and Jesus Jesus told that. And what they were asking was, who is it that God expects me to love? So the people define neighbor by by what they believe God must mean. And, And oftentimes, the way they would describe that was my neighbor is the person who looks like me, acts like me, thinks like me, believes like me, worships like me. They're like me. That makes sense to them, and that's who God wants me to love. My neighbor is a person who is like me, right? That's who my neighbor is, and that, that's, that's what they would accept, and that's what they believed. And so those who are not like me, they are the enemy, and they are wrong, and therefore, I can hate them. And, and this system worked out really well for them. I mean, if we're just being really transparent with the text. It allowed them to create these different people that they could and then they had this feeling that God stamped his approval on that right I love these people because they're like me and that makes God happy boom and it also allowed them to create these groups of people that were not like them and groups of people that they hated and they could also say and God is approving of that as well and so they did this and it was, it was a great system because you could choose who you loved and you could choose who you hated and you could take God's name and you could say God is in favor of this right? This is the way this is supposed to work. And what's amazing to me is that if we stop and think about it, and if we're truly honest, and if we look around in society, and maybe even if we look in our own life, this is is true for us today. We do the exact same thing. We say such things as as God cannot possibly expect me to love that person or to love them. Do you know what they did to me? Or what they said? Or, Or just look at what they wear. Look at how they think. Look at what they believe. God does not approve of those things. Therefore, God does not approve of them. Therefore, God's on my side. And I have the authority, the moral high ground to not like them, to even hate them. We make uh, categories all the time. We make categories based on race and based on gender, based on religion, based on preferences. And we say, there's no way God wants me to love them. They're just, he just doesn't. And we make our own categories, don't we? I mean, think about the categories we have. We have, you know, the. We lump them all together and say, there's no way, whichever side of the fence or the middle, I don't know where you are, but you're like, can't love them, right? We we, we can't do that. We make groups of people that are those those really people, or those really in shape people, or those out of shape people, the, the people that drive this car, or drive that car, or live in that neighborhood, or go to that school, or whatever. We make all these different categories. And we view them as our enemy, because they either stand in opposition to us, or they remind us of what we're not, or we just, we just don't like them, right? If you listen to sports talk radio, which I do, one of the quotes that they have on there is and they play it often, is, why don't you like him? Because I don't like him, right? Just, we just don't like certain people, because after all, we're right, aren't we? I mean, our motives are pure. Our thoughts are noble, we're doing it right, and they're doing it wrong. They're the ones making bad choices. And a lot of times, for a lot of people, it's more personal than just groups of people out there somewhere. It's the spouse who walked out on you. It's the coworker who stabbed you in the back. It's the friend who betrayed you. maybe the parent who abandoned you, or, or the child who rebelled. And whenever stuff like that happens in our life, We find ourselves crying out to God and saying, God, there is no way you want me to love them. I know there's no way you want me to love them. It's it's unreasonable for me to love them. You know what they did. You know that I'm right and you're on my side. So surely I get a pass on this one, right? And we argue with God and we justify. And yet it's pretty dangerous for us to choose who we will and will not love. And then take God's, stamp his approval on that. Author uh, Anne Lamott wrote this. You can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. (laughs) See, Jesus came onto the scene, and he addressed the ethic of the day, the way you feel about people, the way you treat people, people who have hurt you, who have betrayed you, who who have criticized you, who have taken advantage of you, those people that are just different than you, Jesus says, you know, I get it, I understand. It makes sense in our minds to retaliate against them or to seek our own revenge or to hate them. But I tell you, right? You've heard, but I tell you, love your enemies. And in one statement, Jesus just kind of wipes out all of our categories because He is, in essence, telling us that we are just to love all people. We're to love all people. Who you like, and those who you don't; those who are like you, and those who are not like you; those who've been faithful, and those who have betrayed you. And it's different than what makes sense in our own mind and, and what we want to accept. We are to love all people. You, you see, Jesus. Said many things in his ministry that lots of different religions and worldviews buy into. Basic things like in humanity, like you know, love one another. You know, everybody's like, yeah, kumbaya type stuff. You know, don't kill people, don't don't cheat, have integrity. Those those are there's these certain things that are accepted as a standard. But Jesus said, love your enemies. And in our society, it just we just. We just don't like that, because a piece of us, if we're just really honest and transparent, we look at Jesus, and and we're like, you know what? That's a great idea, and I get where you're coming from, Jesus, and that sounds really good, and we wouldn't exactly tell Jesus that he's wrong, because we kind of know better than that, right? We're just not sure we completely buy into the fact that he is 100% right. We just kind of leave ourselves a little bit of wiggle room, And, and we rationalize it, because Loving our enemy, I don't know about in your life, but in my life, that's just not easy all the time. It's difficult. And then we get really good at kind of justifying it. We convince ourselves, we play a little game in our heads and so you know what, this really doesn't apply to me. This is one of those things that when Jesus was talking, he was really talking to those mature people, right? Those people that are the Jesus freaks type, right? talking to those who really get it and are really on board with, with what he's saying. Uh, I, and, and I just, I'm not there, right? I, I can't handle it. This is not for me. I, I'm just trying to read my Bible every day, you know, and keep a, a standard prayer life. I, I still have to watch what I say whenever I'm around other people because I'm supposed to represent Christ. I'm still working on liking the people that like me, right? That's kind of where we, we, we put ourselves in that category, don't we? And we just justify it that it just doesn't apply to me. But the truth of the matter is, That Jesus removes all of our excuses. He removes all the categories. He removes everything. He says, this applies to you. Love your enemies. Love all people. And if you have a hard time doing that, you're normal. But God doesn't want to leave you as normal. He wants your life to change. He wants more for you. He wants better for you. He wants you to rub up against Him and discover His life for you. And if loving your enemies weren't enough, look at the rest of verse 44. Jesus continues when He says, and pray for those who persecute you. (laughs) Right, right? Pray for those people. Really? I mean, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We have a hard enough time finding time to pray for our friends and our family, let alone our enemies. And yet Jesus says, Pray for them. There's more to it than just not hating them. Jesus says pray for him." Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who's not only a German theologian, but he, he was part of the German resistance in World War II. So it's safe to say that, that Bonhoeffer, I mean, he had a legitimate enemy, right? Enemies for us, but he had a legitimate enemy, one of, one of the worst in history. And, and he said this when it comes to prayer. This is the supreme demand. Through the medium of prayer, go to our enemy, stand by his side, and plead for him to God. Wow. Talk about leading by example. Bonhoeffer had an enemy. It cost him his life. And this is what he says. I think it challenges us to consider to consider what we pray about. What criteria do you use to determine that which is on your prayer list? Usually, it's the things that we care about and the things that are important to us, the things that matter to us, and therefore we want them to matter to God. We pray for those things that we want God to influence that affect us, directly. We pray for ourselves. We pray for our family. We pray for our spouse. We pray for our children. Our job, our finances, our travel, you know, as we're going on vacation or whatever. We pray for God to intervene because we care about those things. We want God to be evident in those things and His blessing to be on those things because they matter to us. And Jesus tells us that we are to love our enemies and pray for them. Why? I want to suggest that it's because God wants something to happen to you. That he wants something to happen in your hearts and in the depths of your soul to change you. Have you engage with God and to engage with them. Care about that person. You see, Jesus wants us to respond to them with the same love, the same forgiveness, the same kindness, because they are people that matter to God just like you and I matter to God. He wants us to care. I, I tell my children that I can teach them lots of things. I can give them all kinds of knowledge. I can give them skills, but I cannot teach them to care. It's a decision you make. And I think the same is true here. We, we read in Luke 6 that Jesus goes on to say, not just pray for them, but good to them. You know, give them the, your coat and the, don't ask for all that stuff. And And in both texts, we see that we are to pray for our enemies because because here's the thing, will your enemies know that you pray for them? I mean, if you tweet it or post it, they're probably not going to know, right? Because that's not the point. The, the prayer is not so that they know, the prayer is not even to change them. We pray, I think God wants to change you. I think that's where he's headed, And again, I don't know about you, but it's a lot easier not to pray than it is to pray. I mean, you're driving down the road and you got that guy that just thinks he owns the road. Do you pray for him? You get in the checkout line and you think you've chosen the shortest one, and then you find out you're in the line behind the lady who's watched every episode of Extreme Couponing. Just like, oh, really? You're sharing about something that's good that's in your life, and you've got that person in the office that always has a better story. <laughs> right? Oh, I can top that. Pray for them? Really? Yeah, really. We're to pray for those people. We're, 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 to, we're to pray for, for the, the people who, who've hurt us. Pray for the, the roommate who left without paying rent. For the spouse who was unfaithful for, for your parents. And we're good at arguing, aren't we? <laughs> we're good at saying, yeah, okay, God, but do you know what they did to me? Do you understand how they've hurt me? God, if you only knew, then you wouldn't be asking me to pray for them. And yet, he knows, doesn't he? God wants us to pray for them. Why? So our lives will change and so that you can change your heart, to change your life. That's what God desires. We're good at arguing. We have our superior intellect and education tell God that that this just doesn't apply today. It may have worked on a hillside back in Jerusalem back in the day, but we're in New Jersey. It's 2013. Life is different. Things are different now in the real world. And yet, look at what Jesus says. Look at why it's important that we love our enemies and pray for those that persecute us. Verse 45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. We do this... can become children of God. This is how we live so that other people know that we belong to Him. Pray for our enemies. We love our enemies. That's what we do. As parents... I love it when our children emulate us and our good qualities and, and our characteristics. When they act like us, that's a good thing. When we love our enemies and when we pray for them, when we show kindness when it's undeserved, when we express patience when patience is running th- thin, when we don't hold the wrongs against them. When we initiate the letter and we write to them or we send them an email or we, them or we invite them over to watch football or take them out for a cup of coffee, when we do those things, we look different the rest of the world who says you're my enemy keep you as far away as possible because this is what God does for us look at the rest of verse 4 he causes his son to rise the evil the good he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous Jesus reminds us that God is in charge God is in charge of this whole thing and he sends sunshine and rain to all people he makes no distinctions he loves all people and if this is what God does then we're to be like him That's what we're to do as well. Love your enemies. And this is where the rubber meets the road because this is not something we want to do, is it? Because it is far easier and far more justifiable in our lives to continue to hate them. And yet we're called to love them and to pray for them. Especially in light of what Scripture says, Scripture says that while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, while we were separated from Him, while we were standing in opposition to Him, that Christ died for us. And I would argue, and I think it's safe to say, that God has been hurt by us far more than we've ever been hurt by someone else. And even in spite of that, Jesus came, He rescued us, He redeemed us, He gave us life, and He gave His life for you and me, His enemy. On the cross, what did He do? He prayed. He prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they were doing. His heart was engaged with us, His enemy. That's what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. But He wasn't done. Look at verse 46. He says, if you love those who love you, what will you do? doing that, And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? You act this way and you're just like everybody else. If you love those who love them, then you're just like everyone else. You're just like the pagans, the tax collectors. You're just like the Romans. You're just like the Samaritans. And basically, I think Jesus is saying you're just like the people you put in categories. You're just like the people you hate. You are just like them. This ethic that was standard, treat people well who treat you well, treat people poorly who treat you poorly, not a lot of thought goes into that, does it? And Jesus is asking the people, what are you doing more than others? If you love your neighbor and you hate your enemy, if you're generous to those that are generous to you, that's no big deal, really, because anybody can do that, pagans, tax collectors, sinners, but if you've discovered Christ, if you've experienced his love, then act like it, will you? You're called to a changed life, to be different. Man, when when Jesus starts talking like that, it just kind of hits you right between the eyes, doesn't it? It's like, wow, I've got some work to do. Because we look at this, we see it as difficult. God tells his followers to pray for their enemies, to pray to love their enemies, and to pray for those that persecute you. And if you choose to follow the Lord and to be obedient with him in this, I would suggests that there's going to be times that you're going to feel all alone. <laughs> because that's not really the popular thing to do in our society and our culture today, is it? You could be the only one at work acting this way. The only one at school. The only one wherever you are acting this way. And yet this is how we've been called to live. The beauty of it is, you're not alone. Proverbs eighteen twenty four says, There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Hebrews tells us that God has said he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. He is always with us. God has the desire to walk with us. More specifically, he has a desire that we walk with him, that we partner with where he is going and with what he is doing, and we allow our lives to be changed. And if we will walk with him and allow him to change our lives, we will not miss the opportunities to see that God wants to do amazing things in you and through you, but it starts with life change. It starts whenever we surrender ourselves. And specifically today, it starts when we love our enemies, and when we pray for those that persecute us, because in doing so, we reflect the character and the goodness of God. The band's going to come up, and I'm going to make one more We're going to wrap this up and put a very ugly bow on top of this, okay? Jesus goes on to say in verse 48, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that's my challenge to you today. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, the pushback on that is this. We read that and we're like, that's not what he meant, right? We look at that and go, that's impossible, so surely that's not what he meant. And I've got to tell you that I read several commentaries on this, okay? I listened to a few other messages on this, went back and, you know, looked at the Greek words and kind of parsed them out and all that stuff and do your thing and all that study stuff. And, and when I got down to it, here's kind of my conclusion. What I really think Jesus is really trying to say is that we are to be perfect. We're to be perfect in the way in which we display love to other people. We're to be complete in allowing God to work through us and us becoming his disciples and becoming his children. Just like God sends rain on all people, we're to show love to all people. We are to be perfect for, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Anybody there yet? I'm not. <laughs> I stand up here before you as a, a, a sinner and as a broken person who got a lot of work to do. The great news for me and for you, that God's not done with you yet. If we're willing to walk with him and to accept what He has in our life, he can do amazing things. And it's going to start as individuals. we surrender. We allow our lives to be changed. And then as a community, we, we grow. We grow together. We reach people. We make a difference. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Wow. Allow your heart to get caught up. And allow God to work in your heart and your life and in your mind and allow Him to do great things. I don't know how God's calling you to respond to this particular passage today. But we offer you the opportunity to respond. And if you want to talk to someone, we'd love to talk to you. If you just need to pray, then you pray. And it's you stand and sing. Whatever you need to do to respond to God this morning, we invite you to do that. Stand with me. Ian's going to lead us. Let's sing. Let's worship. Let's praise God.